podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi folks, Tino here and welcome to the latest episode of CSE Stories right here on the Celtic Exchange. If you don't already know, this series was inspired by the new book, Football Without Fans, written and compiled by Davey McIntyre of CelticBars.com. And that's a book which provides a definitive and up-to-date history of Celtic supporters clubs across the globe. Momentum's been building since we launched recently with the guys at the Chicago CSC. And I'm delighted to be joined here by someone based around about 250 miles east of that, as we catch up today with Sean Kelly of the Detroit CSC. Sean, welcome along to the Celtic Exchange. How are things in Motortown? Great, great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, real pleasure. What's the what's the weather like there? So it's obviously kind of tea time just now. I believe it's a bit cold and wintry in Detroit this time of year. Yeah, we had a few inches of snow, middle of the day, already melted, still incredibly cold. Baltic, as you'd say. <laughs> yeah, but nothing to worry about, I'm sure. Um, I was doing a wee bit of research into this, so Detroit's a place I've never been to, but looking into a few different things, and particularly some of the the, the Irish links, you know, uh, you know, I look at maybe potential reasons why there's you know a certain Celtic fan base in, in such a part of the world, and I believe that, that lots of Irish immigrated uh, to Michigan in general around about the time of the famine, so 1840s, and I believe there's a town there called Corktown due to the number who emigrated specifically from County Cork. Is that a, a place you're familiar with? Yeah, it, it's actually a neighborhood in western portion of Detroit. It's where uh, the D- Detroit Gaelic League is, where a lot of Irish pubs are. Um, the Gaelic League opened in 1920, so it's a little younger for Corktown, but it's the oldest neighborhood in Detroit. It's where our St. Patrick's Day Parade is held. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I worked in Corktown for a long time. I love it there. Great stuff. Um, the other big tie-in with Detroit, I'm going way off topic here, is Motown. Big Motown fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lionel Richie particularly, but yeah. don't know if I should share that, but it's out there now. And Math from our show, I don't know if you know Electric Six. Are you familiar with Electric Six? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Math loves Electric Six, but it's a place that's, that's big on music and, and has been for some time. Yeah, whether it's Motown, jazz, um, the birthplace of techno, everything. We have a, a jazz fest every year. We have a big electronic music fest every year that people from all over the world come to. The Motown Museum. We punch well above our weight when it comes to music. We're up there with New Orleans and Chicago and New York when it comes to our musical influence. Yeah, sounds great. So if budget allows, we'll try and send Miff out sometime on a on a bit of research and he can see what he thinks of the town. Um, just to get started, Sean, before we get to some of the finer detail about the, the Detroit CSC itself, always can you hear your own story, your own kind of Celtic origin story, if you like. So so tell us what led to you being a, a supporter of Celtic. So growing up, I grew up in a Irish Catholic home and my mom had Satanta on the television about 2002, 2003. And I was seeing those great teams with Larson and what have you, and just these incredible Celtic teams just beamed to me. And I was aware of Man United. I was aware of Juventus, AC Milan, Ronaldinho, and what was happening in Barcelona. But I saw Celtic on my television. And I went on our old computer dial-up internet. I searched them and found out the the Catholic and the Irish uh, history and how it was formed by immigrants. And I was hooked because I was at that age, you know, I was a teenager and I was thinking, 
what am I, where does my family come from doing all this ancestry work? And I was hooked right then. And I got hooked at, at the right time, honestly. I mean, Celtic was at a peak that I don't know if we'll ever see again, I hope, fingers crossed, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you timed it nicely. I would, I would agree with you. I think that was certainly, I think most would agree that it's one of the, the strongest Celtics of the modern era. And I think, you know, Martin O'Neill time, so Martin came in June 2000, I think it was. And mm -hmm. that was, we spoke to Martin, we were lucky to have him on the show uh, fairly recently and spoke to him about the fact that he kind of set the the foundation for the, the modern day Celtic. Obviously, the 90s weren't a great time, but Martin O'Neill came in at the turn of the century. And you've mentioned Larson and various others. Was, was there any figures that, you know, stood out for you at that time in terms of the players? You know, there were a few just... I'll start from most recent. I loved Big Samaras. I, I loved his late goals. I, yeah. I believe you're not his shoulder length hair in high school. So like I looked at him, I thought, wow, look at him. He can pull it off. I can't, but he can. I loved Scott McDonald. I loved Joe Ledley. I loved Bobo Balde. Those are maybe my top five, top four. Yeah. Particularly Samaras and Bobo Balde, they kind of fall into that cult hero status, don't they? And yeah. Samaras had that habit of frustrating against the lesser clubs. He wasn't really interested in playing against the kind of, you know, the lower teams in the league, if you like. But when it came to European nights and, and Rangers games, he's a guy that came to life. And, you know, it's a shame when he left Celtic, his career kind of drifted. I think he's maybe moved mm -hmm. more into the the boardroom level, you know, back home in Greece. I think he's involved with a the club there. But on the park, he was something special. So I can see why you'd be drawn to a, a player like that. Um, and in terms of the club, Sean, you know, I believe it's, a fairly roundabout story. So you've started supporting Celtic in 2003. Certainly no supporters clubs at that time in Michigan or, or Detroit more mm -hmm. specifically. And you've ended up, you know, going across into Europe to find some, some inspiration, I believe. Yeah, so I found myself in Paris. I had moved there, was working in a coffee shop, and the French CSC took me in like one of their own. Everybody was so kind and welcoming. Uh, we all got to watch PSG beat Celtics, I think, 7-0 together. That was that was an experience. Um, and they really showed me what a CSC could be. Uh, then when I came home, I got to visit t downtown Toronto boys, the Plowboys in Philly, uh, you know, Cleveland. And I really saw how possible it was for us as long as I could just get a pub and that as any North American Celtics player will say, the hardest thing to do is find a pub that's willing to open up for you at six, seven in the morning, local time. So, yeah. Yeah, and that that's the thing. So a three o'clock kickoff here is a bit more achievable because that, that makes it, what, you know, 10 in the morning, your place. Yep. But 12.30 yep. kickoffs is 7.30 a.m. And that's an early kind of time to be going to watch football. I don't know, is it, is it too early for yeah. being at 7.30? For some people, uh, not all of us, though. Usually for me, a cider, just a light lager or something like that's fine. Um, we don't have a bartender in the pub. It's just like a closed pub. Uh, that's how they do it over in Windsor as well. You grab a can, you get a glass, you take care of yourself. We keep it clean. And then they open up a few hours after we leave. Yeah, good stuff. A lot of trust there. Um, in yeah. terms of the, you know, rec recruiting members then, did you start with your own kind of inner circle, maybe some friends of yours? I believe you're also a fan of Detroit City FC, you know, the team out yeah. there, you managed to convert a few yeah. guys. That was helpful. So Detroit City FC is kind of a cult grassroots club here in the city. Um, I play um, 
co-ed soccer in the city. So I took both of those interests and just tried to find anyone who's willing to take on a second club. Because as you can imagine, at this point in the United States with the NBC deal with the Premier League, everyone who, who is interested in football has an, an arsenal, a Man United, what have you. But that's, a, that's fine with me. Are you willing to take on a second club? Are you interested in Celtics ideals and how this, this club is bigger than just a, uh, I don't know, like a, a shirt deal, you know? And that's really where I've made headway, showing people what Celtic is, the Celtic Foundation, Kano, brought people in. Yeah, I, I think it's a similar story to the the guys over in Chicago. So we spoke to Mike and Paul over there in the last week or so, and they've kind of tapped into the Chicago Fire audience. So Paul, he's from Glasgow, but has moved out to that part of the world. He himself has embraced Chicago Fire, but likewise, he's tried to pull some other folk in the the opposite direction, and it seems to have helped them just build the numbers of the club, which is obviously a great thing. And just generally speaking then, Sean, what, what kind of numbers do you guys run with on a maybe a run-of-the-mill match day? And I believe it naturally increases when it comes to you know cup games, Rangers games, etc. So a normal run-of-the-mill, 7.30 local kick, we'll get five, six people. I'd say number of club members, we have 25 regular people that are constantly rotating. Some drive as far as an hour, which... God bless them for driving that far. I, I love that someone's willing to drive an hour to come watch football on TV with me. Uh, but yeah, then we get the big matches and we can get 50, 60 people crammed into the pub to watch the Glasgow Derby. Yeah, and I'm sure that makes for a great atmosphere. Um, yeah. I've spoken again to the guys in Chicago about the fact that, I mean, you know, the, there's so many sport sport options you know generally speaking sports that by sorry football is by far the biggest draw here in scotland the uk and, and in europe but in the states you've got you know your nfl and your nba and your your mlb and all that kind of stuff uh obviously there are big teams in detroit detroit pistons in the nba mm -hmm. detroit tigers baseball mm -hmm. detroit lions nfl are you drawn to those other sports or is football and i mean soccer football is that the big draw for you so this year the detroit lions were abnormally good they are um, a horrible franchise historically. They've never won a Super Bowl, um, but they were very good this year. And their their games kind of line up with Celtics sometimes. You know, it, it'll be a 12 o'clock local kick. So with the pub, we'd say, why don't you come with us and kind of tailgate with us, watch some Celtic, and then go to the Lions game. And that was successful. And I think we've got more people due to that. Uh, the historic neighborhood we're in right now called Eastern Market, um, yeah. It's an outdoor farmer's market that has sheds. So it's it's year round, protects you from the elements. And that's where everyone tailgates before Detroit Lions game for gridiron. Um, so we're hoping we can keep working with that. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Celtic has a, has a way about it. Sometimes you just tell someone, hey, this club, they care so much about charity. They care so much about this. And it hooks people. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Um, you've used the term tailgating there now. I know exactly what tailgating is. My, my neighbour here, he's from he's from Philly. Um, he's told me all about that. But do you want to explain to some of the listeners who might not quite know what tailgating is? Yeah. So personally, I love how traditional football, you go to the pub, you have a few pints with your buddies, and then you walk to the match. It, for Detroit State Football Club, we do that. We all have pints and then walk to the match. But with American sports, mainly gridiron American football, you get in a parking lot, which America's famous for. We love our parking lots. You set up a grill. You sometimes get a keg. You sometimes just get a case of cans. And you drink and eat with your friends. You'll play 
play outdoor games. You'll throw around a American football and you, uh, you warm up for the game that way, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can, you know, make that kick off over here in, in Scotland and in Glasgow. Tailgate yeah. CSC, it's a, it's a work in progress, but I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, you mentioned, so you guys are in the Eastern Market, you know, quite famous part of the city there. And the bar you, you meet in, so it's the, the Collect Beer Bar, is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and, and those are the guys who have kind of, did they throw you the keys at six in the morning and, and let you go for broke? Yeah, I got lucky. I was a bartender for years and I, I had known so many different bar owners and asked and just kept striking out. You know, no one was interested in bartending at seven in the morning. Well, my wife and I are family friends with the couple who own this bar. And I just came to them. It's not a sports bar at all. It's actually a craft beer bar. Um, okay. And I just said, hey, uh, you know, we're friends. You can trust me. If you give me a key, I'll lock it up, take care of everything. <laughs> I'll break up anything that may happen. Um, it's worked out. It's It's been a great relationship because, you know, they can make income, as they say, like a passive income. They're not even open. And they're making money without having to really serve us. So it's a symbiotic relationship and we hope it lasts forever. Yeah, making money while you sleep, Sean. That's the that's a target for, for anybody in business. Um, I'm not sure that would carry over in Glasgow, you know, giving the keys to the to the bar to any group of football fans. I'm not sure if it works, but maybe someday we'll be willing to try it at some point soon. Um, obviously you're the founder, Sean, founder and president of the club at this moment in time, founded in twenty twenty one, I believe. Um, who else has been instrumental? Who else has really supported you there? I believe Wes is a man who's due a word of thanks. Yeah, yeah. Wes is my second in command. Wes McLucas, wonderful guy. Uh, when we go on tours, Wes is always the first one to say, how can I help? Whether it's Philly, he was instrumental in getting a few of us guys there. or He drove a bunch of us to, uh, to Cleveland to go watch a Glasgow Derby with them. Rick Roberts is huge. Rick Roberts, Big Rick. Uh, he's infamous in the Celtic circles in North America. He used to actually pick me up and take me to Windsor um, and a fellow Joe to go to Celtic matches before the CSC even existed. Um, mm -hmm. We wouldn't we wouldn't have a CSC without Rick. Rick is yeah. uh, he's the best. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like even just in general, Ted, I'm showing the the Celtic community have kind of pulled around you. Obviously, it's been maybe a, a dream and ambition of yours for, for some time to to get a CSC off the ground in your part of the world. And whether it's the guys in France or Rick that you've mentioned in Wes, it's the it's the community spirit, isn't it, that's, that's enabled things to, to get off the ground? It is. And community is something that's kind of central for me. It came up on my wedding day. My wife and I, that's the one word that's most important to us, community, whether it's with Celtic for me or she teaches yoga or all these different little facets of our life. We are both just two people who are trying to build community in any different part of Detroit we can. We think it's such a incredibly vibrant city that too many people just don't give a chance to. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it takes me on perfectly the next kind of part of the the discussion. Charity, you know, we've obviously just started the, the CSE stories. It's quite a new series and, you know, only spoken to a few groups at this moment in time. We've got loads lined up and, and lots to look forward to. But what's already come through to me, Sean, from the various folk I've spoken to, is that charity and community, to use your own word there, is a theme that seems to be, you know, to be really, you know, strung out across all the, the people I've spoken to so far. And there's a term you use that you're obviously able to kind of exchange some information before having this recording here today. There's a term you've used about 
basically the mission of the Detroit CSC is to quote unquote make the world a better place through football. And I think that's pretty incredible. I think it's a very strong message. But just how important, Sean, is that that mission, that message to you? And can you tell us perhaps about some of the, the charity initiatives you've been involved in? Yeah, uh, for me, it's it's everything. For so much of my life, I sat in, in my bedroom watching Celtic on my laptop, getting dodgy streams or Celtic TV when it when it's working really well. And watching Celtic, being a part of the Celtic family, is incredible but if you can leverage that and be together with people and make your own community better it's the world it's the world i mean we're here for such a blip of time each and every one of us if we can just leave it a little better than how we found it uh with our first scarves whenever i do a scarf i want to do it for charity our first scarves uh they benefited um freedom house which is a foundation in the city of detroit where when refugees and asylum seekers come to Detroit, it's the first place they live, the first place they get clothed. All these people from all these war-torn countries. So raise money, gave them a portion of the proceeds. Um, alternatives for girls we've raised money for, that is uh, a shelter for battered women and uh, women who are just going through atrocities in the city. Uh, medical Aid for Palestinians is a, a medical organization, obviously, in Palestine and Gaza. And, really been trying to help them for years. It's unfortunate that what's been unfolding the past six months, what have you, um, still trying to raise money for them. Just anything we can do to help through Celtic. And back to an earlier point, that's attracted a lot of people. There are yeah. a lot of people I've met who are Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool scorers, who may not even come watch Celtic, say they have commitments on Sunday and Saturday mornings, and they'll buy a shirt of mine and they'll wear it and they'll buy a scarf just because they want to help the mission. Yeah, and, and that's great to see. It's, it's amazing stuff, and it, it, it's what's amazing to me is something you said just there. It's almost identical to what Mike in Chicago said. It was, it was a line along the lines of, we're only here for a short time, and you want to make the world a better place than, than when you entered it, and it's it's amazing just how, how close the words that, that both you guys have used there. And some brilliant charities there, some, some very extremely worthwhile charities there for different reasons. So brilliant to hear the, the ongoing work there. Um, in terms of match day, what does that look like? Do you guys, is it through Celtic TV? Do you, do you log in? Is there a, any sort of kind of ritual? Is there, is there singing? What's the what's match day like? Match day, I get there very early because there's oftentimes technical difficulties with the old projector we use. I put drapes up in the windows. It's a very brightly lit room, so I really dimmest. I put on the rebel music nice and loud. So when people walk up the stairs, it's probably 30 stairs straight up. They come in, all the flags are hung. I'll have glasses lined out. We'll sing after goals. We'll cheer after goals. We'll run around, hug each other, high five each other. Uh, the biggest ritual we have, though, is the bar has a rooftop, which is a huge deck that overlooks the city. So at halftime, we always go up there, even if it's covered in snow, raining sideways, we at least go up there for a second, have a sip of our drink, chat. It's really beautiful come beginning of the season and end of the season when Detroit's nice and warm. Um, yeah. But that's our biggest ritual, halftime beers. We always go up, upstairs, do that. Yeah, sounds so a pretty special way to enjoy the game. And do you get back on the roof if we get a good result? Do you head back up there to, to celebrate? Ooh, if it's a later match, Definitely. 
definitely. If it's a later match, uh, we've taken group photos up on the roof after some big derby wins, and yeah, yeah, good stuff. And hopefully, we can share some of those pictures. We'll we'll share them mm-hmm. across the social. Um, just in terms of you've you've spoken about you know the the era that you came into Celtic during those early two thousands. We've spoken about individuals, you know, players, Larson, Samaras, and, and obviously Martin O'Neill. Maybe in, in more recent times, is there any big standouts for you in terms of kind of matches? Obviously, we went through a pretty special time under Ange Postacoglu. Is there any standouts, you know, during his time or or around that time? Actually, before Ange, the 4-4 Man City match, I think about all the time yeah. how we really could have snatched a result there. Uh, yeah. Like many Celtic supporters, I see our um, our European performances and say, I think we could get something. We could do a little better than this. I think we have the resources. Yeah. So matches like that, that one always sticks out. And I just think, man, or the Lazio match this year, man, we really had that. We really should have got the three points there. So those two yeah. really stick out to me that say Celtic can do this. Do you know, it's a Celtic way to just tease you enough to let you know that we, we could do it, we could compete if we just managed to push the boat out a bit better and, and invest a bit better. And recruitment's obviously a hot topic just now, but mm-hmm. there's no reason why Celtic can't go further. Our European record, sadly, is pretty deplorable since, since Martin O'Neill's time. Obviously, we've had some big results, you know, Barcelona and all that stuff. But generally speaking, we're not in the best shape, are we, in Europe? And yeah, I think that's a, you know, a big hope and aspiration for all of us. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something I think about constantly. I talk about constantly, and it it falls on deaf ears sometimes with a few of the members of the CSC. And I kind of joke with them. I say, you know, you have a Premier League club. This is this is it for me. Like I don't get to go and go on vacation and root for Arsenal, who's doing very well right now. You know, this is it yeah. for me. Um, yeah, but they're good good humored about it. I hope I can pull someone to drop the team and just be all Celtic one day. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, what about in terms of any hopes? You have, I'm not sure if, you, if you've been to Celtic Park. You can let me know if, if it's a place you've managed to visit so far. But if not, is it something that's on your radar at, at some point in the future? Yeah, it's always been top of my list. Unfortunately, I actually went to a wedding two years ago in Ireland. And my, my then fiancé said, you know, we can go to Scotland while we're here. And it was the middle of the summer. And it was one of those things where I said, I don't want to go to Celtic Park and just do the tour. You know, obviously, I, I want to go for yeah. a match. But we have members and friends of members who have season tickets. They always say, Sean, when you go, just let me know. We will take care of it. Because I've heard how hard it can be to get match day tickets. So I'll have it sorted. Yeah. Do you know, it, it can be tricky, as you say, but you've mentioned that word community earlier on in the piece. And I think near the time, if you do plan a visit, if you reach out, you know, there's always someone that will be able to help you out in some way, shape or form. Um, mm-hmm. Did you mention, have you managed to make it to some friendlies in, in Philly or otherwise? Did you get to see Celtic when they were in the States? No, unfortunately not. I was away in college and I was broke, broke. And I was talking about that this week with some of the Philly boys about how Celtic need to come back in the summer sometime soon because there are so many Celtic sports who didn't get to go to Philly or I believe they played in Boston as well at Fenway Park. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I think, watching um, it. Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say between college and, and, and weddings and different things, Sean, you'll need to start to, you know, prioritize and, and really look at what, what is important to you in your life because you're missing some you're missing some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to play this back for my wife. Thank you for that. I appreciate <laughs> that. 
You're welcome. What about, um, obviously, you're one of the newer CSCs we've spoken to. There's, there's clubs that have been, you know, decades old and, you know, you know a variety of, uh, you know, different years between them. You guys, as I mentioned, are, are 2021, so fairly small at the moment, but I can see how passionate you are about it and how much you're trying to chip away at folks one by one and, and to build that group. But what's your general uh, hopes and aspirations for the, the club, you know, in the years ahead? Yeah, I, I talk about this a lot with the, the group. I would like us to one day have a treasurer. I would like us one day to have a bank account. So I'm not um, just, you know, it's at the point right now where it's a, a passion project. You know, I yeah. pay for all the scarves and hope to get the money back and pay for all the shirts and hope to get the money back. I'd like to be able to have this fully functioning. So we don't need to pull together phone calls when I'm out of town. You know what I mean? I'd like it to be one of those bigger ones where we're getting 25 people for the 7 a.m. matches and yeah. it just kind of runs on its own. That's the dream. And I think maybe in five, 10 years we can get there, but that's the dream. Yeah. And you know, it sounds like it won't be for lack of, lack of effort, lack of drive, yeah. lack of passion. You know, you've got the right, the right energy behind you. What about um, the merchandise? You've touched on that a few times. So do you guys pull together different designs, scarves, t-shirts, that, that kind of thing? Yeah, it, it's funny how our first one came together. I, I showed up one day, first season, beginning of the season, and I had just a sketch that I just put on the projector. I said, okay, everyone, what do we think? What are our suggestions? And different people came back and forth. Um, usually it's an idea of mine or the black scarf above me. That was our season two scarf. Wes and his partner came up with that one, and they brought the design and said, hey, how about a black scarf, blah, 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 kind of like an away kit. Um, yeah, and that's basically how it works. I just have an idea. I write it on a cocktail napkin, bring it to the club and just say, what do we think? Yeah. And you get a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Is that the, the process? Yeah. I mean, if they don't like it, uh, that's X amount of people who aren't going to buy it. So I'm not going to make yeah. it. Do you know, um, design by committee is often a tricky thing to do, you know, presenting yeah. a, a design to a group of guys, but I'm sure that's just part of the process. And generally speaking, then, do those funds go go back to the, the various charities that you've mentioned? Yeah, I, I usually do as much as I can afford straight to the charity. Um, break even for me, straight to the charity. We're trying to come up with a way in which we can have a fund that pays for the Celtic TV as well. So maybe I'll yeah. have like some ball caps made. And I send them all over the world. I've sent plane to Scotland, Ireland, England. France, um, whatever. And that way we can just have that money set aside. So it's just ready for whatever's next. Yeah, fair enough. Um, just to go back to the venue. So obviously, you know, you're in the bar just now. You mentioned is it 30 steps that, that you need to it climb It seems like I... it, at least that. I, yeah. I've i had people who are interested in coming who are unfortunately in a wheelchair and it breaks my yeah. heart because it's such an old building. Um, or someone who just replaced their knee or my grandparents, you know, they have real trouble getting up those stairs. So the next location having no stairs will be brilliant. Yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, 30 steps at six in the morning, I think it's quite a lot for anybody. Yeah. And obviously the, the the great relationship you've got with the, you know, the bar there at the moment. But yeah, have you got maybe some some stuff on the go, some discussions about potentially moving to a more accessible venue so that others can join? Yeah, so good news Collect is moving to a new location about a mile down the road. 
it will not be an Eastern market neighborhood. So we won't have that chance of getting the overflow from the farmer's market or Reliance fans, but it's gonna be step-free, just walk right in, um, in this beautiful new complex as an art gallery and what have you. So it's gonna be a very different vibe, but um, we're always open. If, if God forbid something happened with Collect one day, we would reach out to the Detroit Gaelic League. Many of us are members there. We are we are willing to keep this thing rolling however we need to. We're we're gonna we're gonna work with it no matter what. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And I think anything that can allow you to open up to even more members must be a good thing. So you know, best of luck of course with that. And I'll keep a close eye. Hopefully there's some some good news to share there uh, in the months ahead. Um short a big question, it's a short question I ask to, to everyone that comes on the show. Short question, not necessarily a short answer, but just what does being a, a Celtic supporter mean to you? To me, it means being a fan of something bigger than um, a team, uh, especially as an American Celtic supporter. Most of the teams we support, not all, but most, are corporations owned by private equity firms or what have you. Um, and there's really no culture at the games. If you go to a Detroit Red Wings game or NHL team, one of the most famous NHL teams, very storied. There's no real culture to it. You know, the fans don't sing. There's no, you know, they've got a guy playing the organ and that's their their little shtick, but they don't really have a culture. Celtic isn't owned by a state fund, isn't owned by some oil billionaire. It is, there's a board that runs it and there's so many little idiosyncrasies that make Celtic different than really anything else for an American sports fan. The closest we have to it, which in many ways is the closest thing we have to it, is our college American football, where you you root for the team usually you went to or that someone in your family went to. Where Celtic, it's like most of us got to Celtic, not because they were the sexiest club or the the best club or what have you it's because you had some family connection mm -hmm. yeah and do you feel that's i was just going to ask so you know we always profess that celtic are more than a club and I, and you know i'm sure fans of of lots of clubs maybe feel that and say that but i do believe it's very genuine very sincere that the celtic are more than a football club and and more so for some of the the kind of terms that you've used in the recording sean you know community charity history tradition all these types of things and does that make it a fairly fairly easy sell when you're trying to convince people to come and be a part of what you're growing hmm that is that is the million dollar question <laughs> i think if i am trying to sell it to them it's an easy sell but i don't try to sell it to most american sports fans right. because a lot of the american sport fans just wants who's the best it's like okay well probably Real Madrid or Man City. If you just want the best, just go for them. That's fine. Yeah. If you want to buy into a culture that has millions and millions of fans and support clubs across, I don't know, 45 countries, 50 countries, you got one in Kuala Lumpur, you know what I mean? Come to Celtic. It, it's just, it's different. Uh, one of my good buddies, Dennis, he's born and raised in Dublin. He always says, I didn't meet so many Man City fans in my life until I came to America. It's just, it's yeah. a different thing. You know, so the people I I like tell Celtic about usually are left of center politically. They're interested in the charity. They're interested in Kano. 
I tell them about Celtic having the the two free hot lunches during the winter months for people in need. You know, not every team's going to do that. And I don't really know any American professional sports team that is trying to help the homeless in their community. It's just, it's different or the, the less fortunate even. Yeah. You're obviously referencing Celtic FC Foundation. They've got the Paradise Pit Stop, which is the, yes. the initiative you've, you've mentioned there. And, you know, at times at Celtic, thing, things can be going brilliantly on the park or maybe not so much, or there's issues with recruitment or, or anything else of that nature. But one real constant that, that you know, that, that runs through Celtic, and it's always a positive, is, is the great work that the Foundation do. And, and the Paradise Pit Stop's just the latest. They've got so many great programmes here, here in Glasgow, you know, they look after folks in and around Celtic Park, but also, you know, in the four corners of the globe as well. And I think fans will disagree on most things at Celtic. You know, you and I might disagree on some some football stuff. But I think we all agree when it comes to the charity and it's a real sense of pride for the fans. And it's obviously something that, that means a lot to yourself. And as I said, the the various other the folks that we've spoke to, um, you know, just as part of this series. So, yeah, it, it's a huge, huge plus, And I can see why there's... There's pride from your side in that as well. Um, in terms of where guys can look you up, so if someone's making their way across the States and they find themselves in Detroit, where can they contact you? Where can they reach out, Sean, to potentially tie in for a, a match or a couple of years? So we have a Facebook page, Detroit Celtic on Facebook. Um, we have an Instagram page, Detroit Celtic. Our um, Twitter is Detroit CSC. Um, and just in case you forget that or you miss that, Davy over at uh, Celtic Bars, yeah. he, he takes care of everyone. Davy, I mean, you already mentioned the book. It's just, yeah. I, I've reached out to him before I actually knew him on a personal level. You know, I'm traveling. Hey, where's the closest pub for a Celtic match? He does the Lord's work. <laughs> he can always take care of you. I think we're still the only CSC in Michigan. I would love for yeah. there to be one on the other side of the state because we're kind of a big state. But if you're anywhere in this Michigan area, just come to Detroit. There's one in Windsor, Ontario, and there's one in Cleveland. But then there's a huge gap until you get to Chicago. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure anyone in that part of the world would would do well to look you guys up. Um, I've never heard Davy's work been described as a Lord's work, but it's you know it's fairly accurate. You know the the site of DavyCelticBars.com, but not on for a long, long time now and. For Celtic fans, whether they're going on holiday or, or traveling or, or, or moving country, whatever it might be, Celtic bars is absolutely the site there. And actually, I've mentioned by some people know this about this series, but Davy's book, which I've actually got here, so holding up for the screen, Davy's book, Football Without Fans, it's absolutely the inspiration for this series that we are doing. I think Davy spoke to 403 CSCs across the globe. It is a body of work, and actually, I feel guilty because I'm just latching on to that. Davey's done all the research and I'm just picking up and having the chats. But it's a brilliant book. It's well worth checking out. But in general terms, the work that Davey does just to compile and, and just record all the, the CSEs globally, it's really brilliant stuff. John, just as we're, we're starting to close out the, the episode, um, I would just put it back to you for any kind of final thoughts or, or comments in general, whether, as I say, that's hopes for the club or you know any further comments on your life as a Celtic supporter. Well, I guess when it comes to hopes for the club, I hope we put the pedal to the metal, as we'd say over here. We win this league title. We have it all in front of us. The 
the other team on the other side of Glasgow is hot on our tails and it's up to us. Just need to keep collecting those three points and I have faith in the manager. I, I don't love the past two windows. What can we do? That's in that's in the past now. What can you do? But he just has to work with the players he has. And on most match days, if we're honest with ourselves, they are more talented than the other players they're playing against. So I think it's down to tactics and what have you. Uh, outside of that, I'm just so happy that Celtic is in the place it's in. I meet so many Celtic sports either older than me or just from Glasgow and from Scotland in general who say, oh, you missed the 90s. And I myself am an amateur historian. I love reading up. The 90s were tough. So yeah. I have Celtic supporters who are now a member of the CSC who kind of complain. I say, oh, you haven't seen us get a red card and lose 4-1 in Europe against Juventus because of an FA Ambrose tackle. Like you haven't seen half of the stuff. Like you think this yeah. is bad, just wait. Yeah, so Absolutely. very very happy to be in this era. Definitely. And Sean, listen, great to chat with you, you know, this evening. And, and what I would say is if, if you can continue doing the Lord's work in your own way uh, out there in Detroit, and I say that jokingly, but also sincerely in terms of the charity stuff, you've mentioned some, you know, great initiatives and it's, it's so encouraging to hear some of the great work you do there. So best of luck in terms of the charity stuff and, of course, for the future of the Detroit CSC. Thank you so much. Great. Listen, if you want to feature your own Celtic Supporters Club in a future episode, then just get in touch through our social media or via the website at theCelticExchange.com. CSC Stories is brought to you in partnership with Football Without Fans, the definitive guide to Celtic supporters clubs around the globe. That book's available on Amazon now, and as always, we'll link to that in the show notes for the episode. But in the meantime, thanks again to Sean, and finally, thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back again soon with more CSC Stories. Podcast Network.